0: It's December 5th, 2018, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum, and of course, first, we'll hear from Pete Lancia, and he is the Vice President of Marketing over at Qualcomm. He's going to tell us about the SnapDragon Tech Summit on Maui. Then, we've got Code.org Evangelist Shane Asselstein, and he's he's here to tell us about the CS4All event happening over at Pearl City High School coming up tomorrow. Then we have Janelle Curtis and Brennan Yamamoto, and they're going to be talking about the Maritime Robot X competition. We've got a full schedule today. I do want to also mention that the deadline for applications to the Mana Up cohort, this is cohort number three, that is uh, happening right now. The deadline is 12-14, December 14. So you want to get your applications in for Mana Up's third cohort. You can go to Mana Up. Hawaii.com. So I want to welcome Pete Lancia. He's the VP of Marketing over at Qualcomm. He joins us on the phone from Maui. He's over at the uh, Snapdragon Tech Summit. Welcome to the show, Pete.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, great. I You know, I was uh, quite impressed with uh, the lineup you have at the Snapdragon Summit, and I wanted to take this opportunity to... Have you tell us a little bit, first off, for our listeners, what is Snapdragon?
1: Okay, I'd love to tell you about Snapdragon, but just let me give you a little background of why we're actually in Bowie, first of all. Okay. So we we are gathering over 330 global media to actually launch our next-generation flagship processor or platform for premium-tier smartphones. We we did this last year, and we had great success, and so we chose Maui again. We love it here in Maui. Um, and it's very convenient for a lot of U.S. media and Chinese media. So we're excited. We've We've had two days already. We have one more day tomorrow, and we're excited to launch 5G into the market very soon in 2019. And just today, we talked about the Next Generation Snapdragon. Um, that is really going to power premium-tier smartphones in 2019.
0: Yes, I am very excited about that. You, um, I guess previously was the Snapdragon 845, and now you're launching the 855. Can you tell us real quickly, like what is it about the 855 that is so special?
1: Okay, well, there's a lot of things that are very special. Um, but I think the, what, what's really special about this is it's really the, the, the dawn of a new decade. And what 855 is is going to specialize on is actually bringing 5G, AR, AI, and XR together. And what you'll get to see and do on the phones that our partners actually launch in 2019 is just going to blow your socks off.
0: So uh, is is XR a Qualcomm sort of acronym?
1: Uh, No, it's it's an industry acronym. A lot of people uh, hear about virtual reality Mm -hmm. or VR. Mm -hmm. XR stands for extended reality. So, being able to do multiple different facets um, of reality, kind of augmented reality, virtual reality—we, we and we in the industry call it XR, extended reality.
0: Great, great. So, you know the uh, so this is yeah, really interesting in terms of the five G and the positioning of Snapdragon, you know eight fifty five and and tell us what is the impact of five G in in your mind to how we currently use wireless communications.
1: Yeah, so if you think about your smartphone, smartphone is the number one consumer electronics device, bar none, across the world. And everyone is using smartphones, and they're using 4G, doing it for social media, downloading videos, streaming music. 5G, or the next generation, which will be launched starting in the second quarter of 2019, will really expand the mobile broadband capabilities, going from 5 to 10, and in, when it's fully developed, much more than that times the, the amount of speed. So think about it as a wireless fiber cable, wireless fiber link to your smartphone.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Now, uh, in terms of um, the rollout of of five G, I mean, this is now entering into the the smartphone manufacturers and yours, uh, the Qualcomm Snapdragon is primarily into the 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 Android market. Is that correct?
1: Correct. The Snapdragon, um, our premium tier uh, platform, the Snapdragon 8 series, is powering a majority of the premium tier Android smartphones. Great. And uh, And go ahead. No. And and so what we'll expect to see, and we we had a lot of partners here um, this week, and we have more tomorrow for our announcement tomorrow. But we have partners both from the the operator, so the wireless carrier side, talking about their plans to launch 5G. And we had a couple of of OEMs, so we had Samsung and OnePlus actually come and talk about how they're going to be using 855 and 5G to actually launch the service this upcoming year.
0: And Pete, uh, it's great that you've had the uh, conference, the summit over at Maui. Uh, I guess number two and number three have been on Maui. Was number one on Maui as well?
1: No, number one was in New York, and we decided that Maui was a more central location to get the global media, and it's beautiful. We love it here in Maui.
0: Well, I I expect to see uh, number four being on Maui as well.
1: We're we're hoping for that, too, and I think it looks pretty good.
0: So, so Pete, um, the last thing I want to ask you is it is uh, by invitation only, but people can actually watch the keynotes. And that's being live streamed. Can you, you remember what the, what the URL is?
1: Um, so it is, yes, it, uh, it's a very, really, very good question. So it by is invite-only, and it is really a media and analyst day. But you're right. What we did is we actually streamed the, the keynotes last year, and we decided to do it again this year. We had a phenomenal uptake. I think we had 20,000 people view day one uh, last year, and over 100,000 people viewed day one yesterday. Great. So if and you go to qualcomm.com, dot com slash SnapDragon Summit, and then you will get to see all the information then in terms of our announcements, as well as uh, a, a link to actually stream tomorrow's keynote.
0: Very good. Hey, Pete, thanks for all that information. I'll put that uh, link up on our show notes for later on tonight, and people can watch uh, uh, day one, day two, and day three uh, at the web, on the website. So thanks, uh, thanks Pete, for joining us.
1: No, thank you. And the, the, the keynote starts at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So Sounds hopefully, good. Hopefully, some of the listeners here get excited about what we're talking about and tune in tomorrow.
0: Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And of course, now in the studio, Shane Hasselstein. Hey, Shane, you ready? Okay, we want to talk about what's happening over at the uh, cs for all Summit, which you've actually done for, uh, what, three years? Um,
2: <clears throat> this is actually our fourth year now. Uh, we started off uh, just doing something in one of the classrooms at our school.
0: Right. It started off in Momilani Elementary yes. School. I remember going to that for a couple of years, and then it sort of just expanded out of the, <laughs> out the boundary of that uh, cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So now we have to host it up at the uh, Pro City High School, which um, is now starting to get full as well. So,
0: so what, what can people expect uh, when going to cs for All Night?
2: Uh, so CS for All Night started off as a community event, a school community event, where we wanted to bring awareness to computer science. Mm-hmm. So although we've been teaching computer science at our school for six years, just getting the parents, the community to understand why we're doing this, why we thought this was an important thing to do so soon. Um, so we've decided to use the foundation, the five core foundation of computer science as our as our floor plan, basically. Mm-hmm. And we bring in um, hands-on activities And connect it with industry experts so kids can see where these activities we're currently doing in elementary school could lead to eventually when they are in the industry. No,
0: that's great because, you know, sometimes computer science and and data and, you know, we get, you know, we're getting into things like uh, uh, machine learning. I mean, it's pretty esoteric. And unless people, Mm -hmm. you know can feel and touch and really see what that actually results in, they may not have a real appreciation for all that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And that's what we're trying to encourage. We're trying to um, enable our parents to see that this is something we need to have, mm-hmm. something kids can, can need.
0: Can you, uh, I know there were some really cool like uh, BB-8 um, <laughs> <you> know, robots <laughs> yeah. and a yeah. you know, variety of different things yeah. that you folks demonstrated. Uh, give us a sense as to what some of the demonstrations so are. So
2: some of the hands-on activities this year, we have um, we've been having dash and dot challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, some 3D printing going on, some virtual reality um, happening. Uh, we'll be doing MicroBits and Makey Makey as well to show connectivity and, and networks, infrastructure. Um, we have uh, some of our industry partners. Our uh, Hawaii Open Data has been there for several years now. Um, Shriners Hospital is going to be there. Kapiolani Hospital is going to show how the medical industry is impacted by computer science. Um, Architects Hawaii, actually, is also going to come. They're going to show some of the tools that they use that have streamlined how they measure buildings and and... Office areas and mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that, and it's been it's absolutely fantastic. The stuff you're showing,
0: and I think uh, um, I know Ian was mentioning that Ocean is going to be there with Altino.
2: Absolutely, Ocean is going to be there with Altino. Um, they may have some AI stuff going on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, they're also going to have um, topography maps. They've got the uh, sandbox topography sandbox going on there. So.
0: Now the the outreach for the event, uh, obviously, you know, you're going to get all the, the the elementary school folks from you know from Momolani, but. Right. This is open to the public, but it's also uh, you know something that students from all over the state could actually come in and check out.
2: Absolutely, yeah, we don't um, we don't decline anybody. anybody's welcome, uh, you know, from K to twelve, college doesn't matter. Um, as a matter of fact, we have several schools coming to attend. To see how they could replicate something like this in their complex, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and um, every year we try to add more onto it. So this year, Pro City High School's robotics team is actually going to show a demonstration of what they've been working on, and um, they've been very successful in their VEX in their VEX competitions in the recent years. Oh, very good. Um, so it's great to have that. Complex participation as well. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully mm-hmm. next year we can get some more elementary schools, the middle school maybe, and who knows? Next thing you know, it's a complex area thing, right? Well, so.
0: pretty soon you're going to have to do this over at the uh, convention center.
2: All right, let's do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but this is, uh, this is uh, really exciting. and uh, So if anybody wanted to come and check it out, give us the time and place that this will all take place.
2: Okay, so it'll be at the Pearl City High School Cafeteria. Uh, December 6th which is tomorrow at, mm-hmm. from 5.30 to 8.30 mm-hmm. and if you wanted any more information you can go to the Momignani School website it's the very first story up there on the website and check out the website the, uh, that has all the, the map everything that's going on who's coming who's attending that kind of stuff.
0: Very good uh, yeah. I'll put that up on our show notes and I will be there uh, tomorrow. Awesome. You, you know, I mean, I, you're always welcome. <laughs> I you know, people don't recognize me anyways, but uh, I'll be I'll be there. So thanks Shane for joining us. Thank you. And of course, we'll take a short break and when we return, we will be joined by Janelle Curtis and Brennan Yamamoto to learn about the Maritime Robot X competition. This is Bite Marks Cafe.
1: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawai'i Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Sacred Hearts Academy.
3: My first classical music experience was hearing Flight of the Bumblebee on HPR. I can still remember the drive, sitting in the back seat and not being able to sit still, being so moved by the music not really understanding what I was hearing, these performers were like ninjas. I think HPR almost created a mystical way of I thought about classical music.
0: Member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. And welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us here is Janelle Curtis and Brennan Yamamoto. Janelle is the programs and development director over at Robot Nation and one of the key organizers for the Robot X competition. Meanwhile, Brennan is a PhD student over at UH College of Engineering and is the chief advisor to the UH entry to Robot X. And he guarantees that he will be in the finals at the competition. So I am very much looking forward to that. I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe.
4: Thanks for having us.
0: So Janelle, I want to start with um, the fact that it's been almost like exactly two years since you were on the show talking about robotics. Maybe, Brendan, you might have been on the show (laughs) as well. But so two years ago, 2016, that was the first time that robotics took place in Hawaii. Uh, and I'm happy to see that you're back. What is it that has perhaps uh, evolved over the last two years?
4: Well, we have been growing the community over at RoboNation. We're a nonprofit. And so Robot X is one of our premier competitions, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. at the higher level. So we're talking university and graduate students. We've been pulling together our community K through 12 with our SeaPerch program all the way up through X, And uh, we're really excited to be back. Uh, this is a fabulous location. I, I think your folks over at Qualcomm had it right where it is pretty central. And one of the goals of, of Robotics is really bringing the international community together around advancing technology in the maritime environment, particularly autonomy.
0: You know, there's something about that, and we we, we definitely need to uh, exploit the fact that you know we are sort of centrally located <laughs> in the Pacific and are an attraction for Asia, Australia, New Zealand, as well as the the U.S. mainland. Hey, Brennan, So, you know, last year, um, you know, I I was very interested in in UH's uh, participation in the competition and. You know, for some reason, somebody was telling me that you know they they had only found out about it. I don't know, maybe a couple of months before the competition. What's the backstory to that? And and, and I'm now very pleased to know that you had, you've had at least two years to work on you know, uh, UH's entry. But last year it was sort of a new thing, right?
3: Uh, for for our team, definitely, yeah. Um, we it wasn't two months. We had we had about six months to work. Oh, six six months. Okay, I'm back for the 2016 competition, but. Um, and and there are other. There's going to be rookie teams there as well. We were one of a few rookie teams, and I'm sure there'll be more this year. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you know, we we're not going to get the whole six month excuse this time. But uh,
0: yeah, I yeah. know. I'm I'm am you know, I'm looking at you guys. You know, you had two years. You had the you had the course right. at your advantage. Now uh, we're um, it's not a, 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 an inexpensive competition to participate in because you know I saw the vessels and they're pretty full on boats, right? Uh, who are some of your kind of key sponsors, I guess, for this uh, competition?
3: Yeah. So you know, in research, we're funded a little differently than, you know, like a, you know, some private institution. Most of the money comes from grants. Um, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the grant that funds my, my PhD, um, you know, kicked in a bunch of money and we have a few, few other sponsors, you know, and we make it work. Um, but yeah, I mean, high level robotics is, you know, instrumentation is very expensive so,
0: yeah, so uh <clears throat> Janelle, you know in terms of some of the uh, the challenges that are incorporated into this competition, have they changed since two thousand sixteen or what what are some of the typical kind of challenges that are put in front of these teams
4: well the The interesting thing about this particular competition is that it 's really focused on behavior um, and making sure that the vehicles are Uh, able to accomplish some tasks really autonomously and and that includes docking so identifying a correct place to dock based on maybe a shape and a color Uh, making sure that it can uh, accomplish obstacle avoidance and not run into things (laughs)
0: Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, and and there are some complexities that are involved so you know using information from one one task to inform the the vehicle on where what to do next, uh, and, and those are some of the changes that we 've updated it's we haven 't we tried not to update it too much because it is a very complex competition and and one where the goal is not to make it so hard that teams can 't accomplish the goal is to is to take what 's out there in in industry and some of the challenges that industry is facing and and give the students an opportunity to help to solve some of those challenges mm-hmm. using uh, some fresh ideas uh, because, of course, these students are, are still in that knowledge gathering stage and haven't been told I can't do it this way. Uh, and sometimes that results in, in some really unique uh, solutions that can, our industry can really take uh, and, and utilize. And that's what we're hoping for.
0: So Brennan, uh, you know that's a great lead-in to my next question for you, which is, you know, as the sort of the chief advisor for your team and looking at some of the, the tasks that you had to undertake, uh, what were some of the maybe novel or innovative uh, ways of addressing that task, and and uh, how did you bring your engineering expertise to the table? Well,
3: um, so to I guess to answer the first part of that question, right, that that deals with. You know ethereally what are all the things that you know we need to do to to, to be perfect um, you know there's there's a lot of you know the, one of the big hype terms right now is machine learning mm-hmm. so um, that that's almost a must in terms of um, you know using vision using cameras to to identify what it is you're looking at um, and that's uh you know people take it for granted because our eyes and our brain are great um, but trying to replicate that sort of thing in a robot is is extremely extremely difficult um we, we also work with um, lidar systems um, those are you know what how they essentially work is it it shoots a laser waits for the bounce back and that lets you you detect how far away objects are and if you do that really really quickly um, you can build this nice and sort of 3d reconstruction of what's going on around you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you know all sorts and you know again autonomy um, you know the human brain is great um, but but the ability to think um, and actually, you know, recognize what should I do in some sort of non-stated um, situation um, is is challenging. Um, one one of the analogies I think that that people latch onto is there's kind of a difference between automatic control and autonomous control, where automatic is is generally purely reactionary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this happens, I do this. If, if if this scenario comes up, I do this. But you know, what happens if if a boat Comes up and drives in front of you you know are you are you smart enough to, to not come crashing into that thing right? What do you do in these situations and these scenarios that present themselves that you haven 't explicitly coded for right and and that that really is kind of autonomy and that 's a forefront of what we 're trying to accomplish
0: oh that's really interesting so you, you there's a, a good diff, um differentiation between this sort of automatic and autonomous. I do want to ask you some um, just a couple questions about the uh, you know, the, the process that you went through in terms of uh, helping the machine learn because that takes a lot of data. I uh, want to hold that thought. want to <laughs> actually go to this short break and we will continue our conversation with both Janelle Curtis and Brennan Yamamoto. This is very interesting because we're, going to, we're getting into the g- guts of the Maritime Robotics Competition. Stay tuned. This is Bite Marks Cafe.
1: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and & Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back.
0: This is Bite Marks Cafe, and I am Bert Lum. And, of course, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Janelle Curtis from Robot Nation and Brennan Yamamoto from University of Hawaii, and we're talking about uh, building an autonomous marine maritime vessel. Now, right before the break, we're kind of getting into some of the things about uh, automatic responses versus autonomous responses, and, and Brennan, you did a great uh, kind of explanation of that and in the process of trying to decide if the you know if this is a vessel is is running into a situation where there's an obstacle and it has to decide whether to continue forward or move left or move right there's there's some decision that needs to be made and then there's this idea of of teaching the machine and the the machine learning aspect of it but that takes a lot of data so over the course of i guess the preparation you know over the last 2 years what is it that you folks have done at UH to actually help the machine learn? I mean, were, were you out there taking pictures of, of numerous different scenarios? And are you at the sophisticated level of, of, of creating um, sort of this autonomous vessel that can, you know, with all the data that you provided, make the right uh, maneuvers?
3: Um, well, so we we could go down the rabbit hole, you know, for quite a long conversation on machine learning, and, mm-hmm. and there's there's people who are far far greater experts on the topic than me, um, but particular to let, let's keep it um, at I, I guess image recognition, right? Being able to you know, look at an image and say, okay, there is a dog in it, or there's a cat, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and it's exactly you know as you say, ultimately what it comes down to is you want to um, get your robot or get, get whatever it is you're trying to recognize something into it, as similar as an environment as your operational environment and then take data, right? So for us, that would involve taking pictures of our course obstacles, right? And say, so that we can go come back and say later on, yes, that's, you know, that's a particular shape I'm looking for. or That's, you know, that's a buoy that I'm looking for I need to avoid or I need to actually um, navigate to, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, for us to to get in the ballpark of of ninety five ish percent accuracy in in the range we're looking at, I think we need three to four thousand images, um, and, and you know that working with that sort of data size is actually considered a, a small data set. But mm-hmm. you know, for us, that's 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 a lot of information.
0: And so, you were out there actually trying to gather up that 3,000, uh, three thousand four thousand images to to now. Input into the system.
3: Yeah. And, and the challenge is we have to replicate the course obstacles, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so so mm-hmm. we, we, we did that to a small extent. And, and the reality is us and, and every other team there, is when we're actually at the correct com- – when we're at the competition in the correct scene, we're going to be taking data. That's step one. Just take data mm-hmm. and train on that. Mm-hmm. And then you can start doing your robotics.
0: Wow. Interesting. So Janelle, you know, in terms of the the, the competition itself and given the fact that, you know, it's autonomous and there may be some decision making that needs to happen, are there going to be potential obstacles to get thrown in at the last minute to see whether the the vessel reacts properly?
4: There won't be any surprise obstacles thrown in, but we, we do have the courses uh, changing on a regular basis so that... The teams can't just program we need to dock in the middle dock because that's the green triangle shape that yesterday uh-huh, we said uh-huh. we had to dock at. So it's it's as Brendan is saying, you're you are, we are expecting that the teams aren't just rope programming their machine to do X. They mm-hmm. are programming it to recognize and make a decision. Uh, and you were, Brennan was talking about, you know, the sensors um, that are needed. And it, I should note that the teams are all working on the same boat platform, just the boat, uh, which is a V uh, and one of our sponsors. But they have to add everything on it themselves. Um, propulsion and sensor systems and controls and all, Everything that makes the boat not just go, but also be able to take in the data and compute the data and make a decision and then act on it, which is not a small thing. I mean, we're talking about a 15-foot vessel, <laughs> so right, it's, it's right. not small, and it's in open water. We're out at Sand Island, and uh, so, you know, they're having to deal with all of the lovely things that a maritime environment gives you, uh, wind and, and so, <laughs> rain. <laughs>
0: Am I am I right to assume that in terms of uh, shore-to-boat or shore-to-vessel communication, that's probably minimal because it's all running autonomously? Is that is that correct, Brennan?
3: Um, every school have a slightly different implementation, but, but yeah, the, the vast majority has has their main computer on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but there does need to be a fairly high bandwidth link back to the ground station so you can see what's going on. Uh-huh. You're not uh-huh. allowed to control anything, right. but you do want to – you want to be able to debug.
0: Uh-huh. Great. Now, <clears throat> in terms of some of the teams, how has the team sort of expanded over the last two years? And who do we expect to see at this uh, competition?
4: Uh, we have teams from three different continents or regions, Asia and Australia and the United States. Mm-hmm. We have 15 teams on site. We actually had 19 that were registered, but for various reasons. Uh, some were not able to join us. Some of their boats were not uh, Think seaworthy at this point, and and others just weren't able to to be able to make it all the way out here. But we we've got all the teams listed um, on our website at robotx.org, mm-hmm. so definitely go take a look. And we have their websites, and we'll have some of their other materials posted later, and certainly would want everyone to come out and visit us. We're, we're at Sand Island, as I mentioned, uh, over at Honolulu Community College's Marine Education Training Center, and same site as uh, Polynesian Voyaging Society, and there are co-hosts as well, and uh, we we have the competition open to mm-hmm. the public all week next week, so with finals being on Saturday.
0: Oh, that's great. So would you have a, a specific or, or particular day that you might recommend for people to come check this out?
4: Saturday finals would be the best day. We have finals starting at 11 o'clock uh, a.m. on Saturday the 15th, so that's next Saturday. Mm-hmm, uh, we'll mm-hmm. be there all week. Uh, as Brennan said, this is the time where the teams will be in the water gathering information, testing, uh, but the finals will be on Saturday the that's 15th. Great.
0: And Brennan, I mean, I expect to see the UH team at the finals on Saturday. <laughs> You're going to guarantee me that, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. So, Janelle Curtis is with Robot Nation and organizer for the Robot X competition. And Brennan Yamamoto is a lead advisor for the UH Robot X team. I want to thank you both for joining us today.
4: Thanks so much for having us. We, uh, we enjoy being here and hope to see you again.
0: Thank you very much. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about an interactive exhibit over at the Pacific Aviation Museum called Math Alive. If you have any, um, if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, I'm at BiteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong, and you can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.